time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Hard to believe we're already on the last week of February. I'm sure all of you are busy, busy closing out all the pipeline that's happening. Just hung up talking to another one of my clients who's saying they're having record volume in the first quarter, way up from the previous quarter. And uh, it's fun to have those reports. Also, so grateful to hear from all of you that let us know that you're listening to the podcast. So many of you reached out to us recently. And thank you for encouraging us with the content we provide. We're so thrilled to bring you this podcast each and every week. Again, this podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals. And our commitment is bringing you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. Today, we have on the Hot Topic segment, we have Brent Chandler, who is the founder and CEO of Form Free. On the program, he'll be giving us an outlook on how he and his team see and look at a better way to assess the ability to repay. So ATR, very interesting. Anytime we have Brent on, he's one of the most downloaded podcasts we have. He's just that kind of interesting kind of guy. More importantly, it's all the stuff that he's done. He's such a humble guy. You hear him talk about what he does and what he's done, like being involved in the, the creation of Day One Certainty, a lot of really cool stuff that he done and then his team. You're going to hear about that in the interview. You're not going to want to miss out listening to the hot topic this week. I want to say a special thank you to Industry Syndicate. Proud to be a part of that group. And I encourage you to check out all the podcasts on this industry syndicate group. Also thrilled to have the Mortgage Bankers Association as a sponsor, as well as Mike Frantoni's uh, interview on January 4th was really insightful. Finastra's Fusion Bot Mortgage Solution does a great job of maximizing the convenience of pre-closing functions, including funding, collateral tracking, shipping, insuring, and guaranteeing. Lots involved with this software. I love the information they provide. We had Dan Putney on in January. 11th of this year, a little over a month ago. Also, Lenders One, Justin Demolia, have him coming up hopefully fairly soon. Also, Mortgage Collaborative. We had Tom Gallucci on December 7th. Tom's doing a great job there and was recently promoted. So, c- congratulations to Tom Gallucci. I love this guy. I love people that have humility and good leadership skills. And that really defines Tom Gallucci. He is a real leader, he is a humble guy. And I love that. He's providing great leadership at the Mortgage Collaborative. Also, Community Mortgage Lenders of America, Michael Jones, current president of that group. Great interview back in September with Michael. Go listen to that one. Also, Indicom offers automation and outsourcing and compliance solutions for every stage of the mortgage cycle. Go check out the interview we did with Linda Olmar in August. Check that out. Also, Incelerate, Josh friend and the team do a great job of helping people close more loans. They do this with their CRM and engagement platform built by mortgage professionals. So it's a really solid product that is, again, not taking an outside CRM, trying to make it work, but the engagement platform. But here's the thing I value most about Josh, his insights and how to connect with consumers. Outstanding. Also, Knowledge Coop does a great job of training. Mobility RE and Modex, both of these firms help you on the recruiting side. I was using both of these softwares last week, working with a client, looking at some different aspects, markets they need to go in. Folks, you need to have intelligence. What are the tools that you're using? Check out 
Mobility, I think it's MMI now, and they have Mortgage Market Intelligence, I think what they're going by now. Also Modex, they both do kind of the same thing, but they do a slightly different approach to it. So check out both of them. We're thrilled to be here with you listeners. We're talking to one of our new clients. He called us, he says, I can't believe we're listening to you live. We've been listening to your podcast for years. And we are at a point now where we need some help in consulting. And so we're thrilled to to have them here listening each and every week. So a shout out to them and all of our friends who listen and share this podcast. Let's get over to Rob Van Ramphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute update. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Rappers. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last week, FHA, VA, and the USDA announced that they would be extending their foreclosure and eviction moratoria, as well as the deadline to request initial forbearance for borrowers impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic from March 31st, 2021 to June 30th, 2021. In addition to the moratoria extension, they will also allow eligible borrowers to extend the maximum time in forbearance beyond 12 months for an additional six months to be offered in three-month increments based on quality, right party contact. To qualify for the additional six months of forbearance, borrowers must have initiated a COVID-19 forbearance plan before June 30th, 2020. Also last week, FHFA released its 2021 scorecard for Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and Common Securitization Solutions. It closely mirrors last year's scorecard and focuses on three main objectives. One, fostering competitive, liquid, efficient, and resilient national housing finance markets. Two, ensuring safety and soundness. And three, preparing the GSEs for an exit from conservative. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. Good job, Rob. Appreciate our partnership with the NBA. While you're at the NBA website, you should be a member. If you're not, you can still have your voice heard on the Hill, thanks to the NBA, through the Mortgage Action Alliance application. And so download MA Mortgage Action Alliance app from your smartphone. Have your voice heard. But also make sure you're part of the MBA. They do a great job of communicating. They did a, a, a town hall meeting this last week, an hour of jam-packed information. So I think you can still get access to that if you're a member, get a recording of it. Be sure to check it out if you did not listen to it. So good job, Rob. Appreciate it. Let's get over to Les Parker with the TM Spotlight and this week's macro view of the markets. Les? TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by Power Seller, making hedging easy. Said it's the round about. Their words will make loans down and out. Bonds spend the day their way. Global markets, interconnectivity, make it hard for everything to line for mega moves in all sectors simultaneously. Relationships change. Their respective price movements lag or predict other moves inconsistently. I expected mortgage rates to increase when the dollar fell and the bond yields increased. As the dollar falls, U.S. investments look less attractive, so some investments require more yield unless the Fed scrambles the pieces. As the Fed toys with us, I'll be there for you. These views are my own. Want more? Go to TMSpotlight.com. Yeah. By the way, I was reading Les Parker's TM Spotlight. Get it every morning in my inbox. The thought that goes into this and the concise information is really good. If you're not signed up for that newsletter, you're missing out. And guess what? If you use the word power, as in power seller, you get a free subscription for the paid version. So be sure to do that. Another subscription you must, 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 must have is the mbslive.net subscription. And it was created by this really brilliant guy called Matt Graham. If 
founder CEO of MBS Live, and he's with us live. Matt, it is all your fault. I was talking to someone, and we <laughs> agreed. We agreed. I talked to one of our originators. This whole market deterioration is all your fault. Two MBS alerts in one day. Come on. What's up with you? Two is a light day these days. I mean, I think we've had a couple with four or five in the past few weeks. So, yeah, but it is my fault for sure. I tried to work remotely two Fridays ago on my laptop instead of my normal four screens. And I think that the markets knew that and they exploited that. Consumers are going, nah, I think markets going to improve. You're going, no, it's not. And some of them are confused too. You have like the Freddie Mac uh, mortgage rate numbers coming out on Thursday. And I don't know if everybody knows how that works, but they send their survey out on Sunday or Monday. And most of the responses they're going to get are in by Monday. So the survey ends up really being a Monday versus Monday comparison. And on right. a week like last week where Monday was a holiday, it's really right. a last Monday versus last Friday comparison. Yeah. And yeah. that means that it really underrepresented the true jump in rates. And a lot of people were saying, well, I heard rates didn't really rise that much. What are you trying to do? Take advantage of me? No, uh, it's <laughs> you just aren't up to speed on, <laughs> on what's been happening and the pace at which it's been happening. It's all your fault, and you're trying to take advantage of people. So I just love it how people are. I'm joining in on this blame Matt deal. So anyway, but the producers' retail sales, that was a big one. That was a huge one. It was the fourth biggest one ever. Yeah. Yeah. And I think some of that is still bouncing back from the depths that were realized post-COVID, but you can't really say that is exclusively the case because we already had the one or two big bounces. In fact, two of those three that were bigger than this most recent one were both post-COVID. So things had leveled off since then, and now they ticked back up. I think if you wanted to make a COVID-related case for it, you'd have to say that things got a little bit tense heading into December, January. And then in the month of January, as case counts decreased, and as we realized that, yes, despite these big COVID spikes, that we were still probably going to get through this, here come vaccines, case counts start decreasing, Retail sales start improving. Some of it is also driven by supply, inventory side of the equation. I know I couldn't get the washer and dryer I wanted until February, Dave. It was really, really terrible. My clothes were only like 95% as clean as they're going to be when the new one gets here. All that to say, it's a strong retail sales number any way you slice it, even if it is driven or contributed to by COVID-related stuff. And then, yeah, the same morning, core producer prices, very, very big beat. We haven't been seeing a ton of translation between the producer level of prices and the consumer level, but one would assume as that stuff gets more expensive at the wholesale level, it's going to trickle down to uh, consumers. So people are definitely starting to perk up. I'll get the important stuff out quickly. There's a lot of confusion and a little bit of angst over how fast this rise in rates has been happening. And yes, I think that the pace is a bit surprising, even to a lot of people that saw the rise coming. And we've been talking about the probability of rising rates in 2021 for a long time, months and months. We knew it was going to kick into higher gear after the Georgia Senate election and the (laughs) unified Democratic control. Not that that's good nor bad. It just means more Treasury spending, more Treasury issuance. Bond issuance is a big deal for rates. And that was a turning point. So I get really good questions, really frustrated questions to the effect of, so yeah, rates should be rising, but what's really changed in the past few months is the economy really looking that much better? Aren't we still expecting long-term economic damage from COVID? And shouldn't that economic damage keep a lid on rates? I mean, isn't this the way the market works where a weak economy helps rates stay low? Aren't both sides of the market ahead of themselves? Aren't stocks way higher than they should be? 
isn't the post-COVID economy still going to be worse than the pre-COVID economy? One would assume so, right? And if so, why are rates knocking on the door of pre-COVID levels if COVID and it's the post-COVID economy are supposed to be worse than the pre-COVID economy? And those are all fantastic questions. And here's how I've been answering them. And this should give some insight as to why things have been as abrupt as they are. And keep in mind, your average bond trader and bond analyst have had to sort of do retrospective analysis and kind of with the benefit of hindsight, talk about why things have been so abrupt. The abrupt rise was a possibility, but it certainly wasn't on everybody's radar. That in and of itself can be one reason for abrupt moves when the market is universally sort of expecting one reality. You can end up getting the other reality simply to punish an imbalance of trading positions. Anyway, here's um, generally answering that question. First off, we got to keep in mind that a very bleak reality was already priced into the market in 2020. And that reality increasingly was priced out beginning in August. That's when we really saw things turn around. So vaccine studies started coming out shortly thereafter. That also increased the optimism and helped brighten the outlook, helped sort of mitigate those super dark scenarios. And then specifically in the past few months, those political changes with the Georgia Senate election and the presidential election, for that matter, both were not inflection points, but marked accelerations in bond market weakness. And again, that's due to implications for Treasury issuance, first and foremost. To a lesser extent, you could argue that increased stimulus programs will help the economy and help inflation. The Fed is keen to remind us, hey, we really need fiscal stimulus if we're going to achieve our own monetary policy goals as best we can. The Fed has been helping bonds largely, but that fact also sort of implies a future where they're not going to be helping bonds because everybody remembers the taper tantrum, right? Yeah. And we know we'll have another version of that to endure in the future. Reporters and people that talk to the Fed can't stop asking them about when they're going to consider that. And they've told people just to shut up and be patient for now. But that will happen at some point. Just this morning, Fed's Kaplan mentioned it again. He said at some point it will make sense to back away from the bond market, but that time isn't now. And we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. But markets aren't going to simply say, oh, okay, well, we'll just do our whole big adjustment whenever you guys tell us that it's time to start thinking about it. No, we're going to look at the economic data. We're going to look at COVID case counts. We're going to try to get inside the Fed's head and think about when tapering might be coming. And that is another thing that has put undue pressure on rates to move higher. And just because the Fed isn't ready to talk about it doesn't mean they aren't thinking about it. And it doesn't mean it's not coming. So as the economic situation evolves in such a way that might make the Fed less likely to keep buying as many bonds, that has serious implications for that pricing in of taper tantrum part two. And we'd like to make it less abrupt than it was in 2013. And that's part of the reason that things are as abrupt as they are right now. But what else do we have in my little answer? What? Inflation, that's being talked about a lot. And it seems to vary depending on who you speak to, but it is definitely you know, a consideration this time around, more so than it has been in the past decade. A lot remains to be seen on that. Uh, jury's kind of out for now. The Fed has said it both ways. They said, hey, we could see some serious uptick in inflation in the short term, but we think it's still going to be challenging to create it on a sustainable basis. It's a mess. I mean, the way they measure it and the numbers they're looking for, if we're talking about factoring in home prices with inflation, I mean, it's definitely here as far as home prices are concerned. But that's not the calculation. 
So I think the, the jury is out on that, but it's something to keep an eye on. I would watch inflation reports more closely in 2021 than I have since, I don't know, 2011 at the mm. earliest. As far as stocks are concerned, I'm not going to pretend to understand the stock market, but I do like to remind people that those stock prices reflect the prices of companies and not the average company and not the average American consumer's economic situation. So if 17 small businesses go out of business, then one of the big businesses that is contributing to the index valuation for a particular stock index could be doing much better. And so it doesn't necessarily need to reflect the reality on the street. It's just telling you these 30 or these 500 huge companies are doing better than they were before. And could there be some exuberance priced into that for some of those companies? Yes. But I don't think it is completely out of the question for stocks to improve from here on out. It's also not out of the question to have a big correction. Would that big correction help bonds? Yes, but just not quite as much as people would hope. But this week, it's another important test for the bond market where we started out at new high yields for the past 11 months. And it looks like we might be challenging that ceiling again throughout the day. The rest of the week will be critical in determining that. February has been the worst month for bonds in several years, teen presidential election, and it could get worse before the week is over. But the faster it gets worse, the more potential there is for a correction, simply due to momentum reasons. If it's going to be data-driven or event-driven, I'm looking at the second half of the week, starting with the 1 p.m. Treasury auction of five-year treasuries. And that's really the first major treasury auction of the week. After that, we get our first major data of the week with durable goods, 8.30 a.m., along with jobless claims and GDP. The GDP isn't as big of a deal as the last one because this is just a revision. And then on Friday, we have core PCE. So that's one of the big inflation numbers. It's not expected to rise. It's expected to go down to 1.4 from 1.5 previously. But if it comes in at, say, 1.6, that's going to get those conversations about inflation going again and maybe not be great for bonds. Then all of the above could be overshadowed by month-end trading where traders are forced to make certain trades based on their underlying portfolio holdings, assets under management. We don't really know which direction those are going to go ahead of time. We just know that there is the potential for a big glut of seemingly serendipitous trading momentum on one side or the other of the market. Either way, we're at heady levels, big things are happening, big bad things. And the more they're bad, the bigger the potential that we might get a friendly bounce just uh, for momentum and technical reasons. So let's hope we do and let's hope MBS pay attention because they haven't been happy. Here's the big question. Will everyone give you credit? They just need to sign up for MBS Live and come tell me how mad they are. That's fine. And, you know, they can keep telling me every month for the low, low price. Low, low, low price. And they get a trial period. Twice the long, but they just put LOL in there. So uh, good job. I appreciate you so much here. So good to hear your voice, Matt. One of the things I want to say real quickly is, again, check out Matt's website, all the content that's on this. I really credit Matt. I locked in my own personal loan based on the information I saw on that screen, and I hit it at the all-time low. And so I just nailed it because of Matt. So, Matt, we owe you a big time. Appreciate you, man. (laughs) <laughs> the bill is in the mail there. MBSLive.net. Check it out. Matt's a good man. Alice Alvey is here. Alice is with us. And she's with one of my favorite people on the planet, her husband. And they're driving along back from busy family. So good to have you here with Alice. And just to know that you got that handsome husband of yours sitting there with you running shotgun. 
it's so much fun. It makes it a little extra special, even though we're not going to hear him make any comment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We are we are driving together from Maryland back to Cleveland, Ohio, and it just dawned on me, Dave, I hope I have a decent connection and I don't have any connection problems here. So I'll go quickly for everybody. This is our last week before the new loan application goes into it. Start using it. And it's crazy. But that's also going to be the same day that we actually get to see the USDA connection with Gus that day. So uh-huh. fortunately, we're all faced with being in this, I'm calling it the donut hole. We had to hurry up and get a conditional commitment status so they could look at them. Then they said they're not taking anymore. If you send in a USDA loan this week with the old application, they're not going to be able to do anything with it. So the whole industry is kind of in a holding pattern right now. You can send them in if you want, but you would have to redo it on the new EARLA. So USDA causing a little bit of a bump in the road here where none of us are really able to double check it and test it until March 1st. So first day of uh, regulatory having to use it. That'll be interesting. You kind of go with, well, we're all in the same boat together. So they can't write us all up if we make a mistake is what I say. We all just do the same thing. So just a real quick note on the moratoriums. You've heard the MBA talk about the fact that these have all been extended. And for the first time, we're getting an extension on the government stuff all the way, you heard, until June 30th. So we won't have to keep looking for these every 30 days. We do get a full quarter extension, more than a quarter actually right now. So that's good news. Gives us all a time to really know that something's going to be in place. And I hope they stay with this rhythm going forward for 2021. It is Humda Crunch Week. So all of you, thank your compliance officer. Give them a handshake. Anybody who works on Humda, say thank you very much for getting that report out. I'm so glad I don't have to do it. That is thankless work, but super important, detailed work. And we all love our Humda folks and our compliance department this week that they get that done for us. As you mentioned, we're going to be talking a little bit about the ability to repay the ATR uh, and qualified mortgage rule. I'll just throw in July 1st. That's the day when we go to the new formula that is just mm-hmm. going to be APR based. So definitely listen to today's program. Your technology is going to need adjusting. So you're going to just finish getting EARLA implemented, work through those kinks in March and then immediately get right into preparing for the new math for ATR, which actually is going to become easier, but nonetheless, lots of programming changes for your team. Last but not least, the MBA had a great piece today in Newslink that I wanted to point out, make sure everybody saw this. And even as a mortgage processor or a loan officer, get involved. And this is the perfect topic to get involved with, and that is state licensing initiatives. COVID has taught us We don't have to have loan officers who must be in a branch or must be located in a licensed branch. The states who have these requirements that a loan officer must be physically in a branch did give a we won't act, right? They didn't change their laws. They just said no action. We won't write you up. That's not good enough for us. This marks the one-year anniversary day, by the way. March was when we first got our moratoriums. Here we are coming up on the one-year mark, and it's time for states to have a wake-up call and make sure they make adjustments for lenders to be able to operate long-term in this world. So dozens of states have shelter-in-place laws. We have to change our state laws to make sure we can accommodate this. It's a definite disadvantage for IMDs, so we want to make sure that everybody is on board with trying to encourage their states to make changes in this legislation. Kind of rethink the initial laws and making sure that they give us extensions through this whole year. No more of this 30-day stuff. 
give us through to the end of the year. That's really the main thing. And I think it's something everybody can get behind yeah. on to encourage their state legislatures. So that's it, Dave. Back to you. Good deal. Thank you so much. Tell him to keep his both hands on the wheel and his eyes straight forward. Be sure to give him my best. I love that guy. I love both of you. You're so grateful and you're such good friends. And I uh, appreciate you both so much. All right, folks. So good to have you with us. This ends the first half of the program, which is the weekly mortgage update. Next week, we have Jim and Jeannie Blanchard, who are a part of strategic positioning. They're experts and use the Berkman personality assessment method. And we're going to be talking about recruiting. In fact, it's kicking off a month-long series of podcasts on recruiting and putting together the right teams. I think this is an opportunity for us to really focus in on who do we want on the bus and who do we want off the bus, to use Jim Collins' great analogy. This is the time, and we're going to be bringing on guests for the whole month of March to talk about that. We're kicking it off with Jim and Jeannie Blanchard, who are Berkman and Consultants with Strategic Positioning. So be sure to check out next week's podcast. Look forward to having you here with us and encourage you to tell others about it. I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Finastra, the MBA, CMLA, Indicom, Incelerate, Mobility RE, and Modex. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. And have a great week. You've been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.